0: I'm your host, Madeline, and welcome to The Courageous Podcast, where you will hear inspirational stories every Monday and Thursday of everyday people who will share how they found strength, hope, and faith in the midst of adversity. Let's get ready to be inspired. Today, we have Silvia Verga. She is a wife and a mother of two, who is originally from Brazil, but has been living in Queens, New York for the last 22 years. She has a master's degree in human services and is certified in leadership through the John Maxwell International Certification. She is the parent of a child with autism, and since 2008, she has worked as a consultant with families nationally and internationally for special needs children. Silvia is dedicated to supporting increased student and parent advocacy for families across the country and globally. Sylvia, welcome, welcome to the Courageous Podcast today. Thank
1: you. Thank you for having me.
0: So I'm excited to have you on today. You know, I had a very dear friend of mine on the podcast just a few weeks ago. Uh, she had a child with with special needs who has Down syndrome, and so I really have a heart for parents that have children with special needs, and whether they're you know small children or they are now adult, you know, I know that the journey is difficult, but. Deep down, I believe that special people receive these special children because God knows that they are up to the task and that they are going to love them and care for them and and fight for them in any way that they can so that they can be successful. So I'm happy that you are going to be on today to kind of share your journey with your child and what he went through when he was diagnosed with autism. And so just take us back to that time when he was younger and you know what you began to notice in him?
1: Jeremy was uh, born in 2003, and uh, he was growing up as a typical child. When he was about to turn three years old, we started noticing a lot of odd behaviors from him, things such as staring out the window, jumping up and down, a lot of those repetitive behaviors. And I was not sure. I knew there was something going on. And then one day my husband said, he sounds like he has some autistic tendencies and, you know, it stayed in my mind. So I went back to school and I started researching on autism. And the more I learned about it, the more I was convinced that what he had. Mm-hmm. So I, I took him for three different doctors and all of them diagnosed him with autism.
0: And what were the things that they tested him for just because if people are thinking potentially that may be their child may have this, what are some of the things that doctors can do to diagnose this condition?
1: You know, depending on the practitioner, let's say, you know, he's a pediatrician noticed something off as well because their background training differ, but they have some knowledge. So when his pediatrician referred to a neurologist, the neurologist basically just observed him and gave a, a report. And then we went to a PhD in psychology and she did a whole comprehensive evaluation you know, a set of of testings that we parents are the ones that are interviewed and they ask all different questions about his behavior, you know, and it's breaking down on communication, his current knowledge of playing with certain toys. And then they do some evaluations with him, like observations. They spend a lot of time playing with him, with different mm-hmm. types of toys, but all of them have a purpose for it. So they were testing his ability to speak, how many words he spoke at the time, and his comprehension. And then after that, we get a, a report with all those details, which is it really amazes me, because they are able to catch things that you knew, but you never really realized mm-hmm. that they so it's like yes they know my child you know so uh, those evaluations are very good if you are not ready to receive them it can be very detrimental but it is very comprehensive and increases your knowledge to the next level in terms of understanding your child's current behavior
0: that's great and so what did it feel like for you to get that news or to get confirmation of what you and your husband had already been thinking and feeling, did you blame yourself for that diagnosis?
1: Yes, I did feel some sort of relief um, in terms that now I know right. what it is. However, in my mind, even though I knew the diagnosis, I knew where it came from, like I thought it was me. I thought that I was the one who Made that happen. I read about if you get an epidural when you have a baby, that might cause it. And I heard that vaccines may cause it. And I studied all of that just brought a lot of guilt to my heart because, you know, I did not have the knowledge for myself at the time, I thought, because I did not know that, I did not avoid it, but still it's my fault. The, the reality that was just in my head like I was trying to find a reason to blame someone. I could had blame doctors, I could blame God, but I blamed myself.
0: And so in our initial conversation, as we were prepping for this, you had said that because you felt potentially was your fault. And I think a lot of parents think that, you know, when their kids are born with something or diagnosed with something, initially we're going to say, what did I do? You know, what could I have done differently? And so you said that you were struggling with that and that you just had this sense of wanting to run away after hearing this diagnosis and maybe thinking about what your child's life was going to be like. Tell me about that.
1: Yeah, so that sense of condemnation that it was my fault, it brought me to my childhood. And I start realizing and remembering, actually, that I had a lot of the behaviors that my son had. You know, I had horrible tantrums. And because of that, you know, I suffered a lot. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was going to happen to my son and I could not have avoid that. So I projected that suffering into him, into his future. And that was a horrible feeling for a mother to have. So I, I decided that I was going to run away. One day I woke up in the morning and I went on the computer. I had a plan I look for a ticket somewhere in the jungle, in, the, in South America somewhere. I just want to mm-hmm. go as far as I could. I was going to pack, ask my mother-in-law to come and watch the kids. And before my husband came from work, I would have my luggage already outside hidden. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I was going to the airport and fly off uh, and leave everything behind. So I had my luggage outside. Um, I said, God, I'm going to give you one chance to speak to me. I need you to speak to me because if you don't, I will leave. And I was determined. So I started crying. I went to my living room. I, I turned on the music so the neighbors would not hear me crying screaming. And I stayed there. I don't know for how long I stayed there. It could have last seconds. It could have last hours. But I remember just being there and asking God why. That was my prayer. My prayer is like, why God? Why me? Why my Child. And at some point I said, I am not gonna leave until you speak to me. I was like screaming at him, mm. right? And then all of a sudden, I just feel like a presence and a voice in my mind that it was clear as, as one could hear speaking to me. And the voice said very clearly, Sylvia, this is happening because I wanna heal you and your child through the process. You have two choices. You can just run away, go with your plan, or you can lift up your sleeves and fight for your child. And that moment, Madeline, I just understood what God was talking to me. I knew exactly what He was talking about. And it had nothing to do with my son at that time. It really had to do with me. And from that moment on, uh, my son has been my fortress. He has been the reason, being able and blessed to help so many people. And it was just like a supernatural spiritual moment for me.
0: Wow, that's, that's powerful. I love how you said, you better speak to me, like giving God an ultimatum. I love that when we're in these spiritual battles that we can go to him, right? And kind of have a little bit of a, a tug of war, a fight and say, hey, I need you. I need you to speak to me. And I love that. And if you didn't have that, I mean, who knows You know what you would have done. You probably would have walked out the door and, and not stayed and fought. But I love that you did what you could and that you said, hey, I'm going to fight for my kid because That's what you have to do in any situation, whether your kid is healthy or not. As parents, as mothers, we have to advocate and fight for our children. And so I know that you said that you were helping, you know, many people and it put you on this journey to help special needs parents and create a a special needs group, you know, for kids to socialize. Tell me a little bit about that.
1: I had a dream. I wanted to not just help my son, but being able to bring others with me, being able to grow with others that were going through the same or similar situation than mine. And I uh, came to my pastor and I told him, and he supported me 100%. They were able to fund a special needs class and socialization for kids Mm -hmm. with autism. And a support group for parents. I was able to get a a small grant to pay a special ed teacher to come and teach the class. And it was really interesting because kids, they had the opportunity to interact with each other, to learn about God's word, and and to have fun. And the parents had the opportunity also to sit around, cry, share, ask questions, and learn. So we we took that journey together. It was really special um, to take that journey with that group of parents at that time.
0: I'm so glad that you had that support around you because when your child is diagnosed, you know, a lot of things that people say is like they feel alone. They don't know anybody that's experienced something like this. They don't know what they're going to do. There's a lack of resources for their child. And I love that you said, hey, I'm going to fight but I'm also gonna take other people along this journey with me because I know there's other people out there like me and actually creating something like this for the kids and giving your son other kids that were just like him a place to learn and to grow is amazing. And I love that God put that seed in you and just helped you to grow that seed. And so I know a few years later, your son, Jeremy, uh, suffered a setback When he was six years old and he was hit by a car, as if you're not going through enough as a small child, as a toddler, now you're impacted in another way. And so tell me a little bit about that story.
1: It was a real shocking moment for me. You know, I get emotional thinking about that day because again, Madeline, I felt like it was my fault because my son was in front of the house playing with his brother. His brother has been always protective and responsible playing with his brother. So my kitchen was right towards the the sidewalk and my neighbor is very, very quiet. And so I'm cooking and I'm looking outside and... Suddenly I hear my kids coming in the house and my son was bleeding. His mouth was full of blood. And I was like, oh my goodness, he fell. He tripped on the, the stairs or something. And I was like, oh honey, what happened? And um, he had this panic face. And then my neighbors came right behind and it's like, yeah, she ran away. She took off. I'm like, wait a second, what happened? The car just hit him. I couldn't get the, the plate. I was like, oh my God, I start shaking. I was like, "Oh my God, I need to be strong. I need to be strong. I need to be strong. I can't fall apart right now. I just right. need to be strong." And I call my husband. I said, "Jeremy got hit by a car. Please come home." And I hang up. Um, and then, in the split of a second, it seems like the the ambulance was already coming. And I I'm trying to put like paper towel on his mouth, and he looks at me with his beautiful blue eyes, and he says, "Mom, am I gonna die?" I was like, oh, my God, I did not know. I said, God, you're going to take my child away from me in that moment. I said, why? Why did you say that you were going to heal him? And now he's going to die? Right. So I was like, no, honey, you're not. You're not going to die. It's just fine. He's just bleeding. Just breathe. Okay, mommy's going to be here with you. And the ambulance came and checked his vitals and put him inside. And I I'm, I'm remember him laying there. The sun like light was coming in and his face and he was pale. And um, he was closing his eyes. His body seemed like it was letting go. And I said, mm-hmm. Honey, don't don't sleep. Don't sleep. Stay here. Stay with mom. Stay with mom. Please wake up. Because I knew that you know if he closed his eyes, he would never come back. And So we got the uh, hospital, Um, they took him in, it was wonderful. He was uh, pretty much awake most of the time, but he was very tired and he wanted to sleep and they were monitoring him. came back home, we took care of him and he bounced back like in a week.
0: Kids are so resilient. They can bounce back from anything. They can teach us so many things about being strong, about fighting, about not letting a diagnosis or not letting getting hit by a car change them or impact them. You know, they're just going to keep going forward. And so I wanted to fast forward a little bit. I know now he's a teenager. He's 16. What was it like for him growing up in the teenage years with this diagnosis?
1: He was always very happy growing up. He wanted to have relationships, make friends, and we encouraged that. We had a lot of the therapies laid out for him. We had people coming in and out of the house and he starts speaking. And when he did, he would not stop and he (laughs) hasn't.
0: (laughs) What a great problem.
1: (laughs) Yes. Right. And Madeline, if you start talking to him and you talk about his interests he won't stop talking to you. Mm-hmm. He has that leadership sense in him. He wants mm-hmm. to teach. Like next year, he's going to be a senior graduating from, from high schools. So I wanted my son to go to college. And if he didn't, that, that was fine. Right? We would have another plan for him. If he needed to be in a in a assistive living or a you know in a home with other kids, that would have been fine. But I had that dream for him. And now he does want to go to college. Not only he is able to, but he wants to go to college. And He told me the other day that he wants to go to Japan. So, you know, I encouraged him. And I said, so you need to learn some things about Japan. He's like, Mom, I already know. He's not telling me about the Japanese culture.
0: Uh
1: I was like, really? And (laughs) so he is on his way. And I am just so, so grateful uh, to God for his life and Mm -hmm. And I'm just so, so proud of him and everyone who has been part of this journey with us.
0: That's amazing. I know there's a lot of kids that have autism that um, have amazing talents, and they're really good at certain things. They're artists, they're musicians. God gifts them with the most amazing talents. So Sylvia, I wanted to ask you, what was your motivation to kind of push through
1: the first and foremost was that moment when God spoke to me. I just held to that promise. And that was my number one motivation. And as I start walking my walk with my son, I realized that I could bring others with me. So I wanted to empower other people to have a voice as well, to become the best advocates for their, their child because nobody will be. So mm-hmm. those are the two most you know, motivational that inspired me to keep going.
0: And so, you know, looking back on your journey, is there anything that you would have done differently?
1: You know, I can't think of anything, to be honest with you. I believe that I did everything that I could in my ability and am today a better listener. You know, my marriage is stronger. I am fulfilled professionally if I don't do anything else in my life. Awesome. And I was able to work with so many amazing people people and I still do. And they are part of my life today. And that's all because of my son's story of his story.
0: God has brought other amazing people into your life and kind of created like this community that can walk this journey with you. And so why did you think that it was important to share your story? Because I originally when you and I had talked, you had said, Hey, you know what? I don't think I'm ready. And then about a week later, you reached out and said, Okay, I'm ready. And that's how God is. He says, okay, Sylvia, you don't think you're ready? Yeah, this is my story. I gave it to you, right? I blessed you with this child. And you are going to tell the story because there are people that need to hear it. So why did you decide to share this story now?
1: I shared my story a lot before. And for a time in my life, um, I was so focused on everybody else's story and trying to walk them through their story that I kind of left mine on the side. I felt that was not as relevant anymore. There were mm-hmm. other people with bigger and more life-changing stories than mine. Right. And then when you invited me to be part of this podcast, I realized that my story is still relevant, yes. that, you know, my story is a story of uh, overcoming a lot of obstacles in my life. My story matters. And other people might really greatly benefit from it.
0: That's great. I'm so glad that you were courageous enough to bring your story to the forefront again. And I love how you sacrificed yourself and your story and kind of what you've been through to focus on others and bring their stories forward and help them to tell their stories. Because I know it's difficult to do that. And so what advice would you give somebody right now that's going through this difficult journey as you did?
1: First thing is to acknowledge that it is hard. Every phase is a different phase. That saying that says it gets harder before it gets better, it's kind of like that. But then when you look back and you say, I did it, but acknowledge that it's hard, but don't stay there. From the get go, I was involved in a community and then I realized I could create a community. That's what I did. You do not have to go through this alone. It's much, much easier to go with a tribe. So find that tribe. The other thing, educate yourself. Learn as much as you can about your child's diagnosis. I teach parents about that. The more you know, the more knowledge you have, the more power you have. The last but not least, which is should be the first one, is don't forget about yourself, your own needs. Because we get so involved in these other parts of the process that we tend to forget about ourselves. We let ourselves go. We were women before we were wives or partners or mothers. We are women, right? Learn a way to reinvent yourself and have that, that time for yourself.
0: I love that. That's so true. I mean, we should be doing that at any point. But one thing I've learned is that if you're not good to yourself first, if you're tired and exhausted and always serving, serving, serving everybody and doing for everybody else, you know, you can't give those people that you love 110%. And so we have to take care of ourselves so that we can continue to encourage and love others. One last question that I think is important, because I know that there's a lot of people out there that have older children that are even potentially adults, are still struggling with this and they've struggled to accept it. They've struggled to believe that their child you know, has autism or had autism growing up and maybe they didn't get the help that they needed. In your experience as a professional, as an advocate who is helping parents, why is it so difficult for them to admit or be in denial that their child may have autism?
1: And the first thing that comes to mind that I have encountered is shame and guilt. Those two things uh, really can drag you down to a path of denial, but also protection and self-preservation can be another component to why we don't share, why we, you know, we don't tell our stories, we don't tell our neighbors about our child condition because we don't want them to be bullied. We don't want him, them to be ostracized, you know, and, and not have a fair chance in society. That's right. But the other, the other side of it is, is the truth. The truth is, the more you expose, the more you allow people who really care, who really wants to be part of that circle in your life, um, more acceptance he will have, more advocates he will have, and more chances out in life he will have.
0: That's
1: right. So it's very important to see from that perspective.
0: That's great. That's such good advice and it's so important because, you know, I know maybe one or two people that have a child with autism and, you know, they're grown up now. And let me tell you, I love them and they're amazing. And, but I always wondered, you know, how difficult it is to kind of live with that and and maybe be in denial or maybe be worried about people not loving your child or accepting him. But as adults, as parents, we should love all children and love on them, regardless of who they are, what they go through. Um, it's important to support. And so because you are an advocate and and a professional, how can people connect with Sylvia Verga and all the amazing things that you are doing for families, you know, for children, for parents of children with autism?
1: The best way is to reach me via email. So it's my last name, Verga. And then my first name, Sylvia, all V-E-R-G-A-S-I-L-V-I-A at yahoo.com. You can follow me on Instagram at Sylvia under dash Verga, or you can like my page on Lead for Change on Facebook. It's a uh, lead, L-E-A-D and number four, and the word change that will lead you to my page. You can connect with me there as well.
0: Awesome. Well, I want to thank you. Thank you for being on the Courageous Podcast today. And I just want to continue to pray blessings over you, your husband, your two sons, and this amazing journey that you've been on, that God will give you the strength, the wisdom, and the courage to continue to help other families walk this journey and be there to support them in anything that they may need. Because this was a blessing that God gave you and you see it and you have done amazing things with it. And I'm so, so very proud of you for staying the course and now being able to share your son's testimony about how great he's doing. And that gives other people hope to think like, hey, my kid's only five or he's 10, but that they're gonna be okay and that they're God's children and that God is gonna take care of them and he's gonna support all of these amazing parents that are struggling or that feel alone. So if you're listening, you know someone that has autism or please share Sylvia's story with them Maybe that will resonate with them. Maybe it'll minister to their hearts. And lastly, connect with her, connect with her because she knows and she's walked the walk and she's been there and she is a loving and caring person. And I know that she will support you in any way that she can. So thank you again, Sylvia. I look forward to following you and continuing to see your journey as an advocate and also as the mom of this amazing kid, Jeremy. Thank you so much. Hey, Courageous Community, thanks so much for joining us. I hope you were encouraged today. If you have a Courageous Story or want to connect with today's guest, email us at CourageousPodcast2020 at gmail.com. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram at Courageous Podcast. Until next time, continue to be strong and courageous.